that would be a whole different podcast, wouldn't it? Would you guys like to hear a different podcast <laughs> and not even know what it's about before? I, I think those who want to hear a different podcast have already left. That's but. true. Yeah, very true. You never really know what you're going to get out of our podcast. You never do. It's, it's like just... a box of chocolates. I don't. I tend to stay away from the gamble chocolates. I don't stay away from any chocolates, which is a big part of my problem. I said Jim Gaffigan a joke about that. About I like Jim Gaffigan. The Valentine boxes of chocolate, and he calls them gamble chocolates. No. He goes, ah, oh, I got the one with toothpaste in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Well, the beautiful thing is that because of the Holy Spirit in the church, it isn't a gamble. Oh, gosh, we're, I knew it was coming. I'm glad it was coming. It, it's it's not a gamble because it's a chocolates. guarantee. That when we are in Christ, we have all the fullness of Christ. We have all of the Holy Spirit in us. He lives in us. He dwells in us. He doesn't leave us like we saw in the Old Testament. If you're in Christ, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And it's guaranteed. There's, and In fact, the New Testament calls the Holy Spirit our guarantee, our deposit, guaranteeing our ultimate salvation, that it's not about how, you know, our, our feelings when our hearts convict us when our, our hearts testify against us there's something greater and that greater thing is the fact that the holy spirit is always with us and we can trust in god's word and when god says i stay you can bank on it so that is the foundation of the church and that's what we're actually talking about so it's all reese's peanut butter cups all the time i just cannot see a bad thing about that exactly so, so uh <laughs> we are talking about the holy spirit today as you so eloquently transitioned into i haven't done eloquent via via chocolate you are the willy wonka of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes come with me can i be the can i can i be the uh um, the Gene Wilder Gene version Wilder. not the johnny yeah. depp version yes that's I what i that's feel, what i was picturing you as I just so definitely you know. feel like the snozberries sno- taste like snozberries. Gene Wilder was pretty creepy as Willy Wonka because everything Not- from Roald Dahl is pretty creepy. Uh, now, about half of America's elementary school teachers are probably upset with me now. Just creepy stuff. I like everything he wrote. Write him weird. a letter. Don't write me. But uh, Willy Wonka, as uh, Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka, super creepy. It was creepy in a, in a different way. It was the teeth, I think. And... Just and just Johnny Depp, Depp being Johnny Depp. He's a very compelling, creepy dude. Like Jack Sparrow, creepy, super compelling. Creepy, attractive. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Until he smiles. Until, yes. until he seems yeah, to. he does need some dental work. Let's talk about Jesus. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we've been looking at the book of Acts, and we've been traveling through the first five chapters. And before we move on into some problems arising in chapter 6, we're taking a little bit of time to dig down and, and look at some ideas about the church that come out of the first uh, first five chapters that we can use as a foundation going through the rest of the book. And so we've been looking, uh, you know, these last couple of times at the fellowship of believers gathered at the end of chapter two. And uh, in our last podcast, uh, as we were breaking down things and something to talk about, we really focused on uh, Acts. 242, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And as we see the things that are happening here, what, what we're seeing is the result of people changed by the Holy Spirit in their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've referenced a number of times Acts chapter 2 since we've been doing this, that um, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the, the believers, um, and the, you have this magnificent event right where 
where the Holy Spirit comes in what seems like tongues of fire, you know, alighting upon their heads. And this sound like a rushing wind. And then in this miraculous moment, people look at it and say, oh, a bunch of weirdos, so they're drunk already at breakfast time. And Peter's like, come on, really? This is, it's nine in the morning. They're not drunk. This is exactly what the Old Testament prophets prophesied about. Here's what Joel said and so on. And, and he proceeds to lay out the gospel for them. And as he does that, it's just such a striking contrast to what we see at the end of Luke's gospel. Luke, of course, is writing the book of Acts. But as we see the, the end of his first book, um, where he's talking about Peter at the, at the time of Christ's arrest, he, he scrambles like everybody else. He can't backpedal fast enough to get away from being identified with Christ. You know, it's like, I don't even know him. I don't know this guy at all. Are you kidding me? No way. And it breaks him, and he weeps over it. And Christ restores him and says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he goes through that three times to, to restore Peter. And Peter's starting to take some, some leadership in the church. He always had. He was kind of the spokesperson that was type A personality coming out. But now, in, in the afterglow of this moment, Peter speaks to this crowd in Jerusalem. It's not his hometown, right? He's he's Galilean fisherman. So small town guy in the big city and, and speaking to all the, this cosmopolitan crowd coming from all these towns around. And they're all hearing people, people speak in their own native languages, not the, the native language of the speakers. Right. <clears throat> so they're kind of blown away by this. Peter gets up, no hesitation, and explains the gospel. How in the world could he have done that mm. if he were still the same guy right. cowering in front of the servant girl saying, I, I don't even know the guy, and sealing it with, a, with, a, with an oath? It's the Holy Spirit in him. And as we look at the promise that Jesus gives in Acts chapter 1, um, he tells them in, in verse uh, 4, Four, on one occasion while he was eating with them he gave this command do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit the fact that, that this book starts out with that this is what Jesus is saying he's just about to leave them he's about to, to be caught up into heaven and he's leaving them it, it's so important that his last words with them are you stay here and wait for the gift. The Holy Spirit is going to just engulf you. You're going to be deluged by, by which is a word I hate, by the way. It's hard to deluged? say. Deluged? Yeah. It, it it's reminds un, me it's of... uncomfortable uh, for my mouth. But it's such a picture of this flooding of the Holy Spirit that you're engulfed, you're overwhelmed, you're immersed. The, the, this baptism idea. John is, he's putting you under the water to signify your repentance. But something bigger is going to happen. Not an identification with repentance, but a consumption by the Holy Spirit. You are going to be like, like a tidal wave coming over you, and everything is going to change. This is the power that comes. So then they ask, you know, Lord, you know, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said, you're missing the point here. 
It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his own authority. This is verse 7. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we jump from this to the Holy Spirit coming in chapter 2. And then everything that proceeds from there in the rest of the book of Acts is the, you know, a lot of times folks will say it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but maybe it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's true because it's the Holy Spirit making these things happen, working these things out in the apostles so that God's presence in them by the Spirit causes them to be able to accurately reflect Christ to the world around them. And that's that's what we're going to see is them being witnesses throughout the rest of the book. This is the, the birth of the church is when the Holy Spirit enters. Christ is building the church. He does so when he leaves and sends the Holy Spirit from the Father. So the Holy Spirit then comes into the believers, and, and Peter says, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far, far off, everyone who's going to believe. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is for us today. Every believer ever has the Spirit of Christ in them. By believing, we receive his person, his presence in us. And by having the Holy Spirit in us, he enables us now to live the resurrection life of Christ, to live a life pleasing to God, which we are incapable of living on our own. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In order to please him, you have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But we see in Romans 8 that we can't. Our, heart, our sinful hearts are hostile toward God. We're not even capable of repentance on our own. It requires the Holy Spirit to grab us, to change our desires, to open our eyes, to, to give us the will to choose him. So do we have free will? Well, yes, then. And we really don't have, Luther would say, we really don't have free will until then because we're bound to sin our, our will is so corrupted by sin that we don't have a choice we can choose all sorts of things as long as we don't choose god we're not mm. capable of that because of the hostility of our spirit of our flesh that is the hostility of our flesh toward god our sin keeps us from that but the holy spirit entering saying this one's mine I'm going to change your will and change your desires. Now you actually, for the first time, have truly free will in that you are free to choose to please God, which you could not be apart from God intervening. So the Holy Spirit in the church gives us the ability to be his witnesses on the earth as a reflection of the reality of Christ through relationships. I think there's uh, a lot of discussion that we can get into here. I know I have some questions. Um, so if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email, Facebook message, whatever your preferred uh, method of communication may be. And uh, be sure to listen to the sermon on Sunday. Maybe I'll answer some of my questions before I even ask them. I have there a feeling. I have a feeling that'll happen. Uh, so yeah, be sure to listen to that and tune in next week and we'll talk more about this. Thanks for listening. <laughs>